you're watching this live on Facebook so we know who is with us. And if you have a prayer concern, we can write that as well. We would love to be praying for you. Even if you watch this later today, maybe you don't watch it live, maybe later this afternoon, let us know you're with us. We would love to uh, know who's joining us. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we have a big announcement from 5 to 7. We're going to be outside of the portico here at the church doing drive-through communion, and we would love for you to join us for that. So um, it's from 5 o'clock to 7, join us anytime from that time period. We'd love to have you. We have Bible studies online. Uh, Monday at 6.30 with Pastor Gary via Zoom. Uh, Wednesdays at 6. Uh, Sam is going to be on Facebook Live doing the reading through the Gospel of John. I hear that's really great, isn't it? Pastor Sam says it's great, so you want to check that out. Uh, we have worship in person for Mosaic on Tuesdays at 6.30. We meet outside and spread out. And then Thursdays at 5.30, we have a small service here in the sanctuary. Uh, so you can join us for that. Uh, this is some exciting news from our mission team. From January through June, we have served 2,100 people at the label of love. That's amazing. And it's amazing, even during this pandemic, they're still outside serving to-go meals. It's fantastic. Uh, and also, January through June, 726 people have been served at our closed closet. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a part of uh, missions uh, right here in July. We're going to have Christmas in July, and we have more information coming on that soon, so keep your eyes out for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we are able to come together and worship. We're thankful to be with our church family, even though uh, it's online. We're still together, we're still united, we're still in church. We are thankful for that. Right now, we ask that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we sing together, I'd like you to sing with us, Life of Tristity, from number 697.
listening from, would you join us in the affirmation of faith? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
person with their new congregation. So please pray for ministers who are celebrating their, their first Sunday at new churches and for churches who are receiving new ministers. Say a special prayer for them. And I can't let this opportunity go by without saying thank you for the honor of being uh, able to be part of the ministry staff here. This is Pastor Andy. This is our second anniversary of when we were appointed here uh, of our first Sunday here. Did you know that? Happy anniversary to us. And thank you for inviting us to come back for a third year. This is a wonderful place to be in ministry. And we love you very much. Will you join us now as we pray together over the offering? God, everything that we have, you have given to us. Every good and perfect thing comes from your hand. You have blessed us and you have made us able to be a blessing to others. And so I pray now that as people give from their heart, that they would know that what they give is furthering your kingdom and it is making uh, this world a better place reaching out in ministries. Lord, as we come together today, we do know that um, there are people who have very real felt needs right now for, for healing and for strength and for comfort and for forgiveness. God, we ask that you would meet all of those needs according to your riches and glory. We ask that you would help us as we worship together to worship from the heart, Lord, to take uh, this experience and, and let it do something inside of us. To As we open the Word together, that it might feed our hearts, that it might challenge us, and that it might equip us to do your work in the future. And teach us to pray now, Lord, the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
so beautiful. And such a, a, a great song to lead us into our, our brand new series for the month of July. Yesterday was July 4th. I hope you got to celebrate in, in a way that's special for you. And to, since this is kind of our 4th of July, Sunday on the 5th of July, then uh, we are doing the patriotic music and having even patriotic flowers and flags. And I hope that that is, is special to you. This is, this is us here. Um, we are looking for our first message in the series called Let the Freedom Ring to Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, and then verses 25 through 30. So if you want to grab your Bible and turn over there, I want to invite you to do that. You can just listen right where you are. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 16 today. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton, and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by our deeds. And then down in verse 25, verses 25 through 30. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then listen carefully to these words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're starting a new series, uh, Let Freedom Reign, by talking about freedom to let go and being thankful for all the freedom that we have in Christ today. The freedom to let go. When I was in college, my friends that I ran around with together and I, um, we would come up with different words and phrases and descriptions that we would use when uh, we would face such situations. And some of them were very specific. Some of them were kind of all-purpose. And we had a, a two-word description that could mean different things for different uh, occasions. And I'll tell you how I got started. We were singing together in the Collegiate Singers, which is the University of North Alabama's large choir. And one day after rehearsal, I went up to my friend Craig and I said, Hey, are you going to ask out this girl? And I can't remember. It's been a long time ago. I can't remember the name of the girl. And he said, Oh, my man, I'm not going to ask her out. I said, Well, why are you not going to ask her out? She's good looking. And he said, yeah, you know, she's really good looking, but she's got a tragic attitude. And we all just burst out laughing because it was true, because this was, I don't know if you've ever 
known somebody that was just so handsome or so beautiful, but so full of themselves. And if for some reason, sometimes be the ones, you know how it is when you're together a lot, uh, sometimes you're the one that has the attitude. And so we would look at one another if somebody was uh, showing an attitude that needed adjusting, and we'd go, hey man, you know, uh, or if in these rare moments of self-reflection and self-awareness, we realized that we were the ones that had the trashy attitude of the day, and we would have up ourselves, right? So I guess knowing is the first step toward adjusting our attitude, but I just noticed, and I don't know, uh, not all the time, but lately, sometimes, not all the time, I found myself having just a trashy attitude, a bad attitude about, I don't know if it's the stress from the pandemic and all of the changes. Maybe it's the changes in routine. The older I get, the less I like having my routine changed. Maybe it's just the frustration that I feel with wanting things to be different and knowing that they're not. For instance, I want this beautiful sanctuary to be filled with all of my friends and all of the congregation and for us to all be here and no one would have to wear a mask and we could all just hug each other. But we can't have it that way. We can't. We can't if we want to be conscious of each other's health and safety. And we do take that seriously. That's why we're not all together in one big room today. And that's why when we do gather in small groups, we ask people to wear masks and we ask them to practice social distancing because we do care. We do care. But I don't know if it's the stress of all that, but sometimes I find myself having this attitude that really needs adjusting. And this attitude, here's how it comes on to me. I find myself hyper offended. Now, sometimes you do need to be offended uh, because sometimes things are offensive. So I'm not talking about things that you need to be offended over. I'm not, you know, if racism doesn't offend you, then something's wrong with you. If, if uh, people being mistreated doesn't offend you, then something's wrong, right? But I'm talking about being hyper offended. I'm talking about things that normally would just roll off my back somehow just get under my skin and make me angry. And I found myself, well, it just, it's happened just a couple of times this week. I found myself just like being just troubled by things that I should have just let roll off. And that's just me, but I see it just magnified in a whole societal scale because it's almost like we're this close to just being pushed over the edge all the time about everything. People get offended if you ask them to wear a mask. 
they get offended if you're not wearing the mask. They get offended about, I don't know, you can watch something on social media, I don't know how you get your news, if you read it in a paper, or if you watch it on a news source, or if you watch it on TV, but you can be watching, if you're looking on social media or a news feed on your computer, you can see a story that's on there, and whatever the story happens to be about, maybe it's a court made a ruling on something, and uh, maybe someone got convicted of something, or someone got acquitted, or something got passed, and then there's literally thousands of comments on the feed, right? And people are just super offended <coughs> that this happened, or they're offended by what somebody else said about that happened, and then on and on and on it goes, and I have had to force myself, just force myself to not read the comments, because it seems like every ugly thing in our society crawls out from under a rock and makes its way to the comment threads, and it just steals my peace of mind when I read that stuff, and I just had to quit doing it. But hyper-offended, that's one of the ways that the trashy attitude comes across in me. Another way is that uh, when I have a trashy attitude, I get hypercritical. Again, let me just give a caveat here. Um, some things you do need to criticize. When there's injustice, you need to speak out. You know, When someone is doing something that they don't need to be doing, they're going down a road that they don't need to be going down, then you do need to speak out, okay? You need to speak out and be a voice for people that don't have a voice or the people that are uh, in a position where they are uh, vulnerable, okay? Speak out, but I'm talking about hypercritical. I'm talking about, you know, that you can just find anything wrong with anything. I'm talking about that just kind of aggressive, judgmental kind of attitude where you you um, you just let all the uh, angry stuff out there and you criticize everything. So what I try to have to do about myself is when something does get under my skin and I find myself angry about something, then I try to make myself not comment on it, especially on social media, because I just can't trust what's going to come out of my mouth or through my fingers when my heart is bitter. And now, again, constructive criticism, we all need it, right? It's helpful. Uh, but just being judgmental over something is not really helpful to anybody. It might make you feel better, but it really hurts people. Um, and that's, that's just me. Again, I'm just speaking from personal experience about uh, being hypercritical. But if you watch anything on politics or religion or social issues, it doesn't matter if you lean to the left or the right or you're in the middle. It's just like we're being bombarded all the time by people being critical. So trashy attitude, the third thing that comes across when I have a trashy attitude is that I just become hyper-contrary. Contrary is a word, I don't know, if you didn't grow up in the South, 
Maybe you didn't hear it much. But my mom and dad used to say, son, you're just being contrary. And what they meant was, I was just in a mood where nothing made me happy. And it didn't matter what they wanted me to do, I wanted to do the opposite. And it usually happened a lot in the summertime when I really was, I wasn't in school, I wasn't, in, you know, maybe not busy, quite busy enough. And it would happen is I'll be sitting there and I'd have my arms folded like this and I'd have my pouty face on, my lips stuck out. And my mom would say, what's wrong, son? And I would say, nothing. And being a mom, she would know that something was wrong. She would press further, what's wrong? And I would say, nothing, I'm just bored. And she would say, well, why don't you try playing a new game that you got last week? I don't want to do that. And she would say, well, why don't you get on your bicycle and ride over to Stephens and see what he's up to today? And she, and I would say, oh, I did that yesterday. I don't want to do that. And she would say, well, do you want to help me make dinner? No. Well, by this time, I had kind of got that attitude, you know, that little crashy attitude. And so my mom would say, well, I tell you what, here's what you're going to do, buddy. Since you're so contrary today, then why don't you go and clean your room? And when you get done with that, you can go outside and cut the yard. And if you're still bored after you do all that, then come back and I'll find something else for you to do. So that's how my mom and dad cured contrariness uh, when I was young. But now, you know what? I'm a grown-up and I still get my mom would listen to this, she probably still would say, you need to adjust your attitude. Uh, because I do. A contrary attitude is when nothing pleases you, nothing satisfies you, and you're just ornery. Now, this isn't new with me. I want you to know it's not new with you. When Jesus was talking to the crowd that day, this was exactly what was going on with them. They had a trashy attitude. And Jesus called them out on it. He said, to what shall I compare this generation? Uh, you're like children. You said, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. Or we wailed and you didn't mourn. In other words, you're contrary. You're contrary. Nothing satisfies you. You're ornery. Nothing pleases you. And then Jesus goes on to say, John, talking about Jesus, talking about John the Baptist here, John came neither eating nor drinking, and you said he has a demon. You remember John the Baptist? He was out in the wilderness, and he lived on locusts and wild honey, and he dressed funny, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is drawn near. And people thought he was crazy. We're not listening to you. You've got a demon. So he came not eating and drinking, and you said he had a demon. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse 19, he said, The Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came eating and drinking. And they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what they called Jesus. Because, honestly, Jesus did go among the uh, people's houses. He, if somebody invited Jesus to come over, it, it doesn't didn't matter if they were a Pharisee or if they were a tax collector. Jesus would go and he would sit at the table with them and he would eat and drink with them.
man because that's what he did. And people called him names for it. So in other words, it didn't matter what you did. If you didn't go to someone's house or if you did go to someone's house, you got criticized either way. People were hypercritical. People were hyper-offended. And people were hyper-contrary. They had trashy attitudes. An attitude that said, we want everybody to dance to our tune. And even when you do dance to it, we're going to criticize your dancing abilities. So among the crowd that day that Jesus was talking to would have been some Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were always following Jesus, always watching Jesus, always offended at Jesus, always critical of Jesus. They were trying to, here's the Pharisees' deal. They were trying to earn their way to God, trying to, to climb the ladder to heaven all on their own, and to do it by observing every little tiny piece of the law that they could. And here's the other thing is, they thought they were the only ones who were doing it right, and they looked down on everybody else and criticized them. So uh, the problem with the Pharisees is not the ones that lived 2,000 years ago. The problem with the Pharisees is the problem of the Pharisee that I see sometimes when I look in the mirror. Uh, I'm just being honest. Sometimes I feel like a Pharisee myself in that I feel like that I'm trying to earn God's favor. I'm trying to keep, I don't know, get brownie points with God. And I feel like the more stuff that I do for God and I might be looking down on somebody that doesn't do as much as I do when my heritage and, and my, uh, my foundation as a Christian and as a Wesleyan Christian is the grace of God. It begins and ends with the grace of God. It begins with the prevenient grace of God drawing me to God. It, it then goes to justifying grace, God's undeserved gift, and that's the way that we are saved. And then God's sanctifying gift, again, God's work we grow into the likeness of Christ. So the beginning, the middle, and the end of my whole theology, of our theology as Wesleyan Christians, is grace. It's grace. It's all grace. But in reality, I don't know. Sometimes I act like I'm on a ladder trying to climb up myself. And I'm looking up at the ones that I think are farther along than I am. And I'm looking down on the ones that I think haven't made it quite so far. I don't know what Jesus would say to me when I act like that. When I carry the load of trying to think I have to do it all on my own. I don't know what Jesus would say to me when I have a trashy attitude. You know that old contrary, critical, and judgmental attitude. I think maybe he would say, Come to me and be free of all that. Because aren't you weary? Aren't you weary of carrying that around? Don't you get exhausted lugging around the burden of being hyper-offended at everyone about everything? Don't you get weary of feeling like you're the judge, right? And you have to give a score to everyone and everything and 
being hypercritical all the time, don't you get weary of just being contrary and impossible to please and never happy? Isn't that load just breaking you down? Then let it go. Let it go. Come to me, Jesus said, all that you all you who are weary of carrying heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. I don't know what's weighing you down today. It could be, it could not, it could be not a trashy attitude. It could be grief that's weighing you down. It could be, I don't know, it could be an illness. It could be a sin that just has its hooks in you. It could be a hate or unforgiveness that you just can't let go of. Let go, Jesus would say. I'll give you rest. And then take my yoke upon you, Jesus says. Jesus says to all of us Pharisees, forget that yoke that you've been carrying. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. The rabbis used to call the yoke and the burden in reference to God's law. And you see the Pharisees just took the commandment and then wrote detailed explanations of how every single law should be kept. And they didn't have 10 commandments. They had 613. That yoke was too heavy for anyone, anyone to bear. Have you ever just tried to do that? Have you ever just tried to please God just by sheer willpower alone? You never meant to bear that yoke. Take my yoke, Jesus said. Pull with me on my team. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You don't have to have 613 commandments. Just two will do fine. Just love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let go. You have freedom to let go of all of that stuff. Because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. Because of the invitation that he gives you. Come to me. Let it go. thank you that your word says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that you have set us free. And we know that the only way to be free is to let go of all of those burdens, to let go and to take on your yoke. So in a beautiful paradox, Lord, being captive on your yoke is what sets us free. So may we do that today and may we live in that freedom that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 421 will be the hymn that we sing in closing and it is one of those beautiful paradoxes. Make me a captive Lord and then shall be free and that's number 421 in our hymnal make me a captive lord mm -hmm.